congregation, most of us are members of the church, of our congregation. And it means that on Sundays we come to church to worship, to pray, to see the Lord. But what about during the week? Are we also members during the week, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday? For many, the church has no meaning during the week. It's only important on Sunday. And on Monday morning, the church is forgotten about. But in the Bible, the church is something important for the whole week. Also for the days in between. We read that often in the Bible. We also read something this morning. But exhort one another daily. Exhort one another. Be church together. Exhort each other daily. But exhort one another daily. What is called today? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need that. We need that accountability during the week to confess our sins to each other, to exhort one another, and to be churchy united during the week, to take care of the other. We also find that in the Heidelberg Catechism, let's turn to Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21, please. There are three questions and answers. We hope to deal with only two of them, 54 and 55. And next week, the Lord willing, question 56. Lord's Day 21 on page 49, question 54. But believe is now concerning the Holy Catholic Church of Christ. Answer, that the Son of God, from the beginning to the end of the world, gathers, defends, and preserves to himself by his Holy Spirit and Word out of the whole human race, a church chosen to everlasting life, agreeing in true faith, and that I am and forever shall remain a living member thereof. Question 55. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that all and everyone who believes, being members of Christ, are in common partakers of him, and of all his riches and gifts. Secondly, that everyone must know it to be his duty readily and cheerfully to employ his gifts for the advantage and salvation of other members so far. 
the theme for this morning, the Holy Catholic Church. With the help of the Lord, three thoughts. The essence of the church. What is the church? What is the heart of it? The essence of the church. Secondly, the origin of the church. Who is responsible for the church? Who is gathering the church? Who is defending the church? Who is at the steering wheel? The origin of the church. And the third place, the purpose of the church. So the Holy Catholic Church, the essence of the church, the origin of the church, and the purpose of the church. Congregation, young people, what is the church? Can you give a definition of that? So a church is a building where some of the steeple and a pulpit and pews. Well, in the Bible that is not called a church. The church in the Bible is not a building. It's not made of wood and stone. Not something contracted to build. The church in the Bible is a people. A people belonging to God. A people gathered by the Lord out of all mankind. A people for himself God has a relationship with. I remember being on the mission field years ago. And I saw a little white church, very quaint, very beautiful church building. And I was there with the evangelist, and I praised the church building. I said, what a beautiful church. He said, no, that is not a church. The church is the living members thereof. And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. But do we still realize that? That the church is a gathering of people belonging to the Lord. In the original word, the original word is ecclesia. You have heard about ecclesiastes, right? And ecclesia is also the same word. Ec, out, ecclesia, called. So ecclesia, to call out. To call out of the earth, out of sin, out of the miry clay, and put upon the rock. Let's hide an eye. Excalibur, picked out, drawn out, called out. So the Lord is calling out irresistibly a people for himself. They are the church, the living church. It's called the Holy Church because it is set apart for the Lord, by the Lord. It's called the Catholic Church. Yes, we belong to the Catholic Church as well. Catholic, not, not Roman Catholic, but Catholic means universal. And in that sense, there's only one church. 
one holy Catholic Church. No, two. No, the church is the gathering, the people of God, the saved ones. We prove that with the Bible. Ephesians 1, 22, 23. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church is the body of Christ. Christ being the head, taking care of the rest of the body. So that is the living, holy, Catholic church. Or think of Romans 16. Yes, do you think about that? Likewise, greet the church that is in that house. Greet the church in that house. There's a church in that house. There's a house and there's a church in there. So there's the living church. The greetings to the church in that house. So in the Bible, the ecclesia is used for the common, universal, holy church. But the same word, ecclesia, is also used for the local church. Also called for all the individual churches. Sometimes even more than one in one city. Like in the Bible. Let me make let me give you a definition of the church, of the local church. A church is a group of true believers who meet regularly to worship God, to be exhorted from the words of God, practicing baptism and celebrating the Lord's Supper under the guidance and discipline of office bearers. Again, a church is a group of true believers who meet regularly to worship God, to be exhorted from the Word of God, practicing baptism and celebrating the Lord's Supper under the guidance and discipline of office bearers. See? So according to this definition, and also the definition of the Heidelberg Catechism, and also of the Belgium Confession, according to those creeds, the church is not a gathering of just people of just interested people, of just friends. It is a gathering of true believers. They are the church. According to this definition, they are God's chosen ones. Like the Heidelberg Catechism says, the church members are chosen to everlasting life. 
They agree in true faith. They agree not only in the doctrine, they agree in true faith. They understand each other in true faith. They agree with true faith and will remain living members of the church. They will remain living members of the church. Or the Belgian Confession, the one Catholic or universal church is a holy congregation of true Christian believers all expecting their salvation in Jesus Christ, being washed by his blood, sanctified and sealed by the Holy Ghost. Article 27. So the church is God's people. The church is then the chosen, no soul gathered out of mankind, and put together as a group, and they they exhibit unity. They're God's people. They're all unified in faith, and they all are washed. They're all cleansed. They're all sanctified. They're all God's bride, divine, the sheep of the flock. So the Lord has bestowed on the church many things. They have been made a people with expectation. They do not only know their sins. They're not only humbled. They're not only broken. They're not only desirous. They're not only seriously minded. But they agree in true faith in him. A true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you belong to the church? Maybe someone says, I don't know anymore. I was baptized. I did confession. I am seriously minded. I come to church. I'm faithful. That does not make you a living member of the church. Is still a dead member. We say that way? A dead member. Think of divine. Divine with all the branches to the left and right. And some of those branches bear fruit. God's people. And some branches do not bear any fruit. And they're clipped off. They're pruned. And the branches are burned. They never took the sap from the vine. They never lived in the real sense. Something was missing. The true faith was missing. Repentance was missing. Life was missing. Fruits are missing. So that is quite something. Maybe you have to leave the church this morning knowing that you are not a member of the church, that you are not a Christian, that you're just scaffolding. You know, the building is made and 
you see it coming higher and higher, and especially in the olden days, you saw scaffolding used to be able to erect the building, but the scaffolding was just temporary. When the building was finished, then they took the scaffolding away. Sometimes used for painting, right? Are you scaffolding? Are you the church? Or may you cry out unto the living God and say, Lord, I need to be a member of the church. I need to be a living member in the vine. I need to be a sheep of the shepherd. And the Lord is the one who is saving a people. The church is safe from the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not on them anymore. All others are still under the curse. God's people, the church, is not under the curse anymore. That the people of God's favor, that God's beloved ones, they're precious to them. He is precious to them. And they are precious to him. They bought with a price, loved from the beginning. And Lord saved them not only from the wrath of sin, but of the power of sin. Oh, it's such a power of sin. So addictive. So hard to fight. Who am I? What is my house? We might say. There's that addiction to sin, the power of sin, and the Lord has broken that power. They are still sinners. They still do sin. They have not, are not under the power of sin anymore. They've been broken. They, they also are different regarding the pollution of sin. They're still sinning, but it's not the same anymore. That makes all the difference. So do you belong to the church or are you on your own? Are you without God in the world? Having no hope. Is something? Can you live with that? Can you just wipe your mouth and just continue? Something. Nothing else matters but being a member of the church. You're black or Caucasian or Asian or indigenous or poor or educated or young or old or male or female. Nothing matters. One thing matters. matters. Are you a living member of the church? Galatians 3. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond or free. There is neither male or female. Fear are one. In Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, 
Then I Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that is the church. The second thought, the origin of the church. Congregation, what is the gospel? People today are confused about what is the gospel. Let me just give you an example. The gospel is that Jesus wants to be our friend. Is that the gospel? Absolutely not. It is not just like young people get to know each other. It clicks. It's a spark. And they talk. And they talk. And they text. And they visit. And they just bond. And they come to a point where they say, I propose. And it's a ring. And it's an engagement and a marriage. And that's also how it goes with God's people to get to know the Lord, to be a friend of God. Absolutely not. Because those young people getting to know each other don't have to solve something that has happened. They did not know each other at all ten years ago. They never had a role. They never had an argument. They never were fighting. Nothing needs to be solved from the past. There's no old baggage. No scars. They just start from scratch. When the Lord comes to the sinner, the sin gets on the table. The Lord doesn't say, let's be friends. The Lord says, you sinned against me. I'm angry with sin. I must punish sin. He must tie out the fierceness of his anger. He must explain it. That if he will deal with us after our sins, he will perish. So is the gospel then that Jesus wants to be our example? That's for some the only thing. Crazy example. What would Jesus do? Right as their life. They all ask, what would Jesus do? And they imitate him. No, he, Jesus would not do that. So I cannot do that either. And that's a new life. But that's not salvation. The gospel is not a matter of merely cultivating a relationship. No. It's not merely... The cultivating of a relationship, we have to deal with sin. We have offended God. So does God simply let us know that our sin against him is no big deal then? Don't say, ah, I can't forget that. No big deal. Is that the gospel? No. Neither. The gospel is not that we are okay. The gospel is not that God is just going to forgive and forget. The gospel is not that God loves us. And you have to believe that he does, right? 
people say. Just believe that God loves you. That is not the gospel. You have to believe that God helps you. That is not the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the heart of the gospel? The death of Christ. That's how serious it is. The death of Christ. He had to be punished. He had to bear the, the, the curse. He had to be forsaken of his father. He had to pay the price. He sacrificed with his own blood. That's the heart. And that's what you're in need of. We need to be cleansed and washed. And that is how the Lord works. The Lord doesn't say it's no big deal. The Lord doesn't say I'm love. The Lord says you have sinned against me. Let us deal with that. And it needs to be confessed. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes so unexpectedly in the heart of a sinner and makes that sinner feel so bad. So bad because I've offended my maker. I've sinned against the good doing God. And your heart breaks and you cry. There's remorse. There's a trembling. There is also a desire to know the Lord, to have your sins forgiven, and yes, to be in a relationship, but only in the right way, only in such a way that the price has been paid. So the Lord opens the heart and breaks it and changes it and gives a different desire. The Lord opens the understanding the Lord opens the mouth and they begin to open their mouth wide and they begin to cry out unto the living God like the people on Pentecost men and brethren what shall we do? And the Lord has begun the work from the very beginning starting in Genesis 3 Adam, where are thou? Where are you? And he had to appear. He was arrested by the Lord. He had to confess his sins, and he just first, first tried to blame Eve, right? But the Lord convinced him of his sins, and that's how the Lord still works. He is arresting people. And he gathers, and he continues, and he makes people true within. They begin to confess. What is to confess? Confessing symbolism. Well, in the Greek word, I think you can understand the word. Homo logeo. You know what homo means, right? Homo means the same. And logio is the word. The logos. So the same word. So the Lord says, 
You're a liar. You say, I am a liar. Those say, you are an adulterer. You say, I am an adulterer. Those say, you are an idolater. You say from that, I am an idolater. You say the same thing back. You repeat after him. That is homo logio. Have you? Have you admitted? Have you repeated after the Lord? Do you have sinned against all his commandments? All of them? You know what that means? You're so sad. Such an overwhelming sadness. You just go to a birthday party and they're all laughing. Is that conservative? You have a, a secret concern. And then maybe you talk about it, maybe not. But the Lord is at work. So I believe is now concerning the Holy Catholic Church of Christ that the Son of God from the beginning to the end of the world gathers. He gathers. Like a hen gathers the chicken and the wings. He defends and he preserves. He preserves to himself by his spirit and word. It is his work out of the whole human race, a church chosen to everlasting life, agreeing in true faith, and that I am and forever shall remain a living member of. See, the Lord is doing that. It is his work alone, sovereign and irresistible. So if that is the church, we also have a responsibility, right, to, be, to, to join the church and to be faithful to the church. Of course, no church is perfect. All churches are messy. All churches are messy. And there is often a desire for something more lively, more serious, more convenient, stricter, less strict. There might be desire to leave the church because your friends are somewhere, somewhere else. Or your children like it better somewhere else. Or you're annoyed with a few people in church. And yet, the Lord has given you a church. And the Lord is present in the church and works in the church. So we are called to be loyal, to show also our children loyalty. And be salt in your own church. To give rather than to receive. To love, to be united. 
Often the grass might look greener on the other side, but the Lord has given us a place. And what I really like is this, when studying this this week. I read that the church is not perfect, so you can, with your life, give an example of loving the unlovable. You can show in church that you love the people that don't deserve the love. Because the Lord does the same thing, right? He loves to save sinners. The Lord Jesus loves the people that is not worthy of any love, right? The Lord is not seeking a people that qualifies. So don't seek a church that qualifies. We don't. But love the church that the Lord has given you a place and love them being an example of who Christ is. And tell your children, and love your children. And, love, and tell your friends that you stick to the church because you like to explain to the world that you love an imperfect church. The essence of the church, also the origin of the church, does go to the third father. Congregation, what is the purpose of the church? What is the church for? What did the Lord have in mind for that? Well, we dealt with that already a little bit. As it says in the Heidelberg Catechism, gathers, defends, and preserves to himself. To himself, the Lord Jesus is gathering a church and defending a church and preserving a church for himself. Because he likes that. He loves it. He is honored by it. The Lord is just happy with that. There's a joyful God. The Lord rejoicing in his people. Like a bridegroom is rejoicing of the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Is the bridegroom happy on the day of his wedding? And he sees his bride. And they exchange vows. So the Lord Jesus is rejoicing in his people. His church is his bride. For himself. To himself. For his glory. All things are made for his glory. Nothing happens Without God's will, and nothing happens for no reason, God has a purpose, and the ultimate purpose is his glory. But there's more. We also read in Ephesians 4 that it is good to have a church and to not be on your own. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. That God's people are perfected. 
that God's people grow in grace for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that the body of Christ and the church be edified, be taught, so that the church to teach God's people to the perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So there is a church to help people in staying in the biblical course to be true to not be deceiving, to not stray, to grow in grace, and to get more united, to become more mature, by but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. There's much more regarding the purpose of the church. Let me go to James 5, verse 16. James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a, a righteous man availeth much. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let us focus on the first line. Confess your faults one to another. What does it mean? To admit, to confess, to homologio, to repeat, to tell people your fault. In the Roman Catholic Church, they use this text to defend the penitents. Defend that you tell your sins to a priest, and the priest can forgive you. You may have been in an old Roman Catholic church. There are also little cubicles. The door, you go in there. On the other side is a priest you don't see him. And you just tell your sins and he says, forgiven. So you have confessed your sins to him. But he says, confess your faults one to another. So to each other. It is a big part of the church to confess your sins to one another. What sins? If someone has wronged me, 
someone has hurt me, and he needs to apologize, he needs to say sorry, he needs to say, I confess my sins, I'm sorry. No. That's maybe part of it. But it's also this. A child of God wrestling with a certain bosom sin. I'm fighting alone. And nobody knows what's going on here. Nobody is knowing what the weaknesses of that person. And it is helpful if you can find a friend who you can confess your sins to. The Dutch start of the the Dutch translation, and in the margin use the word friend. Find a friend in the church you can trust. Not to just broadcast your sins and make it a public sin. No, don't do that. Nobody's business. But there's a friend or two who say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but I have to talk to someone. Let's go to the Bible. I have to confess I'm struggling with this sin. Can you help me, please? Can you pray with me? Can, I, can you just ask me tomorrow or next week how, how, how I'm doing? See, that is also part of being a church to confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. It says in the Bible. So don't ignore that. And you may have to get over a hump, over the shame. But you know, maybe your friend says, and I have something to I have to confess to you. You see, we have a, we have a, a common interest. And we together struggle. And that's important. Well, it's saying Hebrews 3, to daily admonish each other, to daily exhort. It is quite often in the Bible. So you see that being a church is not only something for the Sunday, it's something for during the week. Brethren, Galatians 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself Lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So see, it is healthy. It can help to persevere. It can prevent fall into sins or fall into sins again or make it worse. It is fighting the good fight together as a church. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Therefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, 
even also as ye do. So that means being more vulnerable, daring to be weak. There's also part of the church. Confessing, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's different, right? So, confessing to one another, but now back to the heart of it. Confessing your sins also in the first place to Christ. Right? If we confess our sins, if you repeat after him from the heart, if you don't hide, don't deny, don't cover it up, if we confess our sins, you have to be open about it. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to make people open. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. So do not only meet with friends over coffee in the restaurant during a break hour, then shopping together over the telephone. There's so many ways you can help people. But most important is to flee unto the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew no sin. So he is not the one Say, I know how it feels. But yet he is also the empathizing high priest. And he knows the weaknesses of people. And he does not want people to pay the price themselves. He is willing to save people from their sins, to confess their sins. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just. He is righteous. He is without sin himself. But he has been made sin for us. To make sinners righteousness of God in him. And if you know something of that forgiveness, then you look around you in church and you say, does Christ love these people? Was Christ filled with compassion upon the Jewish Moses before him? Then I should do. Then I should too. So love your people. They may have flaws. They may not be perfect at all. They may be not the best churches either. But if you know something about forgiveness, Show it. Show your children. Show the congregation. You say, Christ loved an undeserving church. And that's why I stick to the church. And don't forget, if you would have to qualify, 
you could not be a church member yourself either. Because you're all sinners. And let us see the Lord's face daily. Because he is a God of salvation. So what do we understand by the communion of saints? First, that all and everyone who believes, being members of Christ through the vine, are in common partakers of him, the bride, and of all his riches and gifts. Secondly, that everyone must know it to be his duty readily and cheerfully to employ his gift, not only to bring a pan of soup, not only selling a car. That's all so important. But his duty readily and chiefly to employ his gifts, his responsibilities, for the advantage and salvation of other members. So other members need your help for their salvation. So maybe you can do some research someday. And research the word another. Another in the New Testament. You type it up, another, and you just click it and you see a whole list, right, of another. It's all about edify one another and admonish one another and confess to one another. Now you read those verses, the thing of the church God is giving you a place in. Amen.